Are you an entrepreneur looking to have your business grow with a little help from the internet? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Harness the Web with your host, Steve Pack. Hey, welcome to Harness the Web. And today we have Doreen Downing with us. She's Dr. Doreen Downing. Um, she's got a PhD in psychology. Psychology? Is that yes. It? Yes. And she's a podcast host at Find Your Voice, Change Your Life. She once suffered from stage fright. That's really hard to believe. And in conquering it, she discovered being connected to your authentic self is the key to relaxed and confident speaking. Mm -hmm. She now specializes in the treatment of public speaking anxiety. There's probably a lot of that, isn't there? Yes, there is. In addition to coaching online courses, she is the author of Essentially Essential Speaking, The Seven Step Guide to Finding Your Real Voice, a book that teaches you how to transform your anxiety with presence and connection. You can download, download Doreen's Seven Step Guide to Fearless Speaking at Doreen7steps.com. How about that? Yes, Doreen Seven Steps. It's, it's, if that's really what it takes, and really it does, it just means you have to embrace each one of those steps. Thank you, Steve, for inviting me to be on your podcast today. I'm so really with that, what did I miss? There's got to be a lot more to that story than yeah. mm -hmm. you got a PhD, and then you became a psychologist, and then you came up with this. So what's behind that? Well, what's behind it is that, yeah, I got a PhD. I'm out there doing my business. My office is, well, I could say booming. I had a really good practice, but it was just one-on-one. -on -one, so I never had to speak in front of a group. So I was able to hide <laughs> this fear that I have of public speaking. And the only time it really showed up is when I happened to be with other psychologists where we were sharing our case notes or something. And you know how people go around the circle and you're going to be having a turn and your heart starts beating like crazy. Well, that was, that was what was happening for me, even though I had my PhD in psychology. So, so what is it? What, so why did you, why did you get a PhD in psychology? Oh, I love potential. I love what uh, is inside of each human being and what, uh, I love possibility. I would say that that's uh, discovery. I, I love to travel. And I think there's something similar about going out into the world and coming into a new territory or new country and exploring. And I think that inside of each one of us is like that, that there's a vast, unknown, undiscovered territory. <laughs> so do you, do you view people as you're speaking? Here's what I'm thinking, right? Um, I'm really a pretty visual person. So what pops into my head is kind of like seeing people and then that they have like a combination, like a little lock mm -hmm. and that like helping them get to that combination so they can unlock it and then their potential can come out. I've never thought of it that way. I'm always gonna remember that image. Yes, a visual image and click- I might click, be way click. off. No, no, no. I think it's click, click, click. And what, what is it that then finally clicks into place? 
And I think the opening then to a deeper who they really are inside. And that's why the business I designed is called Essential Speaking, because I help people get to the essence of who they are. And those, what you said about the click, click, click and the locks, I think, you know, as I'm thinking about it even more right now in the way that I help people self-examine and go on this inner journey to discover where they're locked up, you might say. (laughs) And then they can see, oh yeah, earlier in life I was teased or early in life I had an alcoholic parent or early in life I had a big sister who was uh, more verbal. So that they begin to look at all the ways in which they've locked their true self, their voice down. Yeah. So when did you, when you first became a psychologist, did you start out helping people with speaking anxiety or is that something that developed over time? No, I did not. It was, uh, I was just open. One of the things, like I said, about traveling that I love, I like the variety. I didn't want to specialize. I wanted to greet and open my office to people of all races, all ages. And that's true. That's what happened. All situations. And I remember somebody saying, uh, well, so what do you know about having a family and children? Because I was not married yet. And somebody else would say, well, so what do you know about being 80 years old? Well, you know, I think I was in my 30s. So I think, though, that the training about with listening and empathy and being willing to enter into somebody else's reality is what I loved. It's it's like entering into a new country, totally uh, curious and open to what the experience is. So I would say no, definitely in the beginning, it was not that. And it was only later, which is another story about how I how I ended up specializing. Well, well tell us that story. <laughs> All right. All right. So I'm pretty successful and a conference organizer seeks me out. Knock, knock. Hi. Hi, doctor. Will you speak at the conference about this program that you are working on? I think I was helping children of alcoholics at the time. So I was specializing in that. And I said, no, <laughs> no way, not me. I'm, I'm afraid of public speaking. And I tell you, this was a moment, I, I still get a little chills in my body thinking about that moment when the organizer looked at me, confronted me basically and said, but doctor, isn't fear your business? And that did it. That, so- that did it. It was like, all right, I can't hide in my office anymore. So did you take that speaking job? So what I did, no, I don't believe I did, but it did prompt me to look in San Francisco. We had something called the Learning Annex at that time and look for courses on how to overcome the fear of speaking. And that's what I started doing is just, oh, I, I, I totally understand what it's like to have anxiety and then make that first decision to go to a class or a program or a coach because it's so scary, so vulnerable. It just, this fear is just so overwhelming, consuming. And that's how I felt that first first night uh, at the the class of how to overcome your public speaking anxiety. And it turns out, I don't know how many years, maybe just a couple, 
I started teaching that very class. So I learned something. Cool. And so I had a question in my head about that. It's so, so you, I, I guess it was this, like, um, lots of people have that anxiety over public speaking. Why do you think it's so prevalent? Like, why do so many people have that fear? There's lots of things you could be afraid of. Why do so many people have that one? I think that voice is connected most intimately with who we are and our own sense of ourself and our ability to be proud of ourselves and confident. And I, because of my background in psychology, I think that you know, when we come into this world, uh, we're surrounded by a certain kind of environment that may or may not go, yay, you, <laughs> you know, that really <laughs> celebrates you and you start to, it, and there is a, a term for that. It's called, uh, well, it's, it's healthy narcissism. Like the little child goes, look at me, look at me. <laughs> and the environment goes, yeah, look at you. So that there's a mirroring back in a positive way that then the child in early development ah, begins to say to him or herself that, uh, yes, look at me, I'm valuable, I'm welcomed into this world, I can speak and people listen. And so I think that that healthy environment early on is pretty rare in our society. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think that in my view, that's what my, my answer to your question is just how come it's so prevalent? Because our voice, who we are is uh, formed, our self image is formed pretty early in life. And then we go out in the world and try and test it. And we try and fit in and we try and get approval, try and get the A's. And we run into oh all sorts of, you know, problems out there in being who we are and trying to express ourselves it's um it's funny it it makes me think about this it makes me think about our educational system and like i'm thinking so you're a little kid and and you're like first second grade third grade whatever and all kids learn at different rates right and some kids don't catch on till later. Like I have six kids and they all caught on later. They, they didn't all caught on later. They all caught on at different times, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it, it, like the feedback they get when the teacher calls on you to stand up and read, and let's say you're in first grade, but you haven't gotten to the point where it's clicked for you like the you know what i mean yes like how why do we do that mm -hmm. why do we tr why do we train teachers to do that yes yeah yeah just to apply some standard to every single child and that reminds me of a story on somebody in my podcast the find your voice change your life podcast who was dyslexic and he talked about that very thing you're speaking about is he had to read 
uh, let's say a couple of paragraphs because he could calculate when it might get to him so that he could read properly. And he said he never was able to read properly, even though he he was practicing as you know the the book went around the room and by the time it got to him, he still could not read. And how how you know disturbing that was for him to not be understood and to keep failing and then kids would start teasing him about that and uh, so but eventually I, the good the good news about that story is this fellow is in a business nowadays where he he creates systems and the reason why i think that's so it connects is because he came up with a creative system to to take his tests and to learn. He got his sister to read him his assignments and to <laughs> isn't that something? You know, he figured out. <laughs> isn't that? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's funny. It's like the, this. Just in general, it's like the people who have to overcome some struggle by going through school, like. Because there's some people who it just comes easy to, you know, as long as they show up, they can just take the tests. It's easy. There's no big effort, and they just march right through. And at some point, it catches up with them, right? At some point, they hit where, oh, and now I have to be able to learn, you know, on my own, right? Mm -hmm. um, but when they're when they're young, they don't have to do that. Now the other kid, who's like the one you were talking about. They have a stiff to struggle. They have to. They have to develop a mechanism to deal with it, and they have an incentive to come up with an, a mechanism. And it sounds like in his case, he he was very effective in this mechanism, and then he carried that through in life. You know, yes. I don't know if that made any sense or not. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the the need to survive and to make adjustments. And he probably, not probably, I know because I've spent time with him and interviewed him. He's a very creative, I think he's a creative genius. So he had that creative genius as a little boy and it uh, came into play to figure out how he could survive in that environment, in that learning, in that educational yeah. environment. I remember one of my kids, she had a hard time learning to read. She uh -huh. learned until she was like in the fourth grade and like just didn't like click for her. Um, and so we had her tested with all kinds of things, but anyway, so she's tested one time and she's with a psychologist and he does his thing. He's talking to her and then he sits down with her. I still remember this. He sat down with her and said, Oh, so you must be one of the smartest kids in your class. She's like, she looked at him like he was stupid. Like you're, you, would you just fall off the truck? Like, yeah, no way. Like I'm the dummy in the class. He said, no, you're not. You were probably the smartest kid in the class. You just learned different than all the other kids. Uh -huh. And it was funny because at that moment, it was like that shifted everything for her. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So I guess my, my concern is that not all the people who have those struggles when they're young have somebody who shows up in their life like that. Mm -hmm. You know, she was lucky. Someone showed up and gave and basically instantly gave her the confidence to move forward. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know where this is going, but 
Uh-huh. Well, you just uh, opened up the idea about, well, so how does confidence when you're older and you still have those blocks, like you said <laughs> earlier, how does somebody find confidence? And when they've spent so many years in a different kind of belief system, I'm a dummy, I'm a dummy, I'm not as good as the rest, and nobody wants to hear what I have to say, all those kinds of self-talk. And I think that that's what I, that's what I work with is learning what those negatives are, what those negative beliefs and where those roots are like taking, I have another person interestingly enough who has dyslexia and uh, said exactly the same thing you said about your daughter, but she did not have a voice then. So we had to create here she is in her late 20s and in a, in a you know, sales job where she really has to show up. You know, we have to help her find that voice that says, you were smart. You are smart. You just learned differently or something, you know, some kind yeah. of current way of, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's not as simple as change, change your thoughts, change your life, but it is about examining what you say to yourself, reclaiming early on that you were, hey, who was she way back then? <laughs> so it is funny. I believe it is as simple as changing that conversation. Uh, right? yeah. But uh-huh. changing the conversation isn't easy. I like the way you just said that change the conversation because we're having a conversation with ourselves our own head is whatever's in our mind is telling us something and we're listening yeah we think we know it yes yeah yeah (laughs) that yeah that's who i am no it's not let's examine (laughs) yeah and i think what's really funny is you know if um if you get 10 pieces of feedback right and nine are really positive and one is negative which one do you focus on? Yeah, it's the one that hurts. The one that's negative. It's like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, I I think that there's already when the negative is is the one you focus on. There's probably already inside of you a wound, and it triggers that, or it goes straight to the wound that you carry already within you. So I think that's a good way to think about when you do respond or react to something negative, it's like, oh, okay, inside of myself, I've got a vulnerability there. I've got a wound there. Let's go in and uh, examine that. Yeah, that's a good idea. What is it? Yeah. So how do you change your self-talk? Well, first of all, you have to examine, you have to have an observer, right? You have to be able to say, I can look at, listen, and identify uh, the self-talk. So you have to have a part of you that's not the self-talk and not the part responding to the self-talk. So this third part, uh, I know I studied at UC Berkeley and got really into Freud at the time, but it's it, and it's not so much ego, id, and super ego, but in a way that that three-part model of there's something negative, kind of like the superego, you got to do it better, you're going to fail. And then the id, which is more like, hey, I'm, 
going to do whatever I want to do and it's going to be okay. But it's not because you got to present to the CEOs of a company or something. So the middle part, the part that says, huh, okay, I could hear what this one is saying. I could hear what this one is saying and I can make, I can integrate. I could um, come up with a new strategy. So I think this middle part being an observer is the powerful you that's inside that's able to uh, listen to it and then be able to change it into something positive. And uh, one more thing I want to say about the changing it into something positive. It has to be some something that has truth in it for you. So many people try and do self-affirmations, you know, I am confident, I am confident, I am confident, but it doesn't, it doesn't ring because it doesn't connect, you know, maybe something like I am brave, I am brave, I am brave would be the beginning of finding confidence, you know, so affirming something that feels like it has a resonance. Yes. That's cool. It's almost like a stepped approach. Yes. So if you want confidence, maybe you have to start out with that, like, oh, I'm brave, then I'm something else. And then mm-hmm. finally you get to, I'm confident. Yes. That's cool. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So how did you get, when did you decide to take advantage of the internet? Right. So I'm going to guess that you mm-hmm. probably got your PhD and started practice long before the internet really existed or was used a lot. You're right. I think I went in and did punch cards during my. I did those. <laughs> yes, during my research at UC Berkeley. Uh, yes. So having, let's see, my book came out in 2009. The Find Your Voice. Well, actually, it was called Essential Speaking: The Seven Step Guide to Finding Your Real Voice. That book came out, and I went oh, I have to somehow get it out there. (laughs) You know, I mean, it was great to put it together. It doesn't sell itself. Right. I put all of my workshops together and my ideas together. And it's like, oh, what do I do now? So I I hired somebody to do a website and early, you know, way before responsive was going on. But so it was more like a business card, right? You know, you just throw up. So I did that. And somewhere along the line in terms of getting out into out of my office, and out into the world more so that I could reach people around the world reach people through the internet. I met Ted Pedromo, who actually is a LinkedIn expert. And I thought, well, I'll start I'll start there. (laughs) And he had taken courses from me. So he was familiar with my approach and said, has said it's very, he has been one of the testimonials about how transformational it was. So I trusted him. Yeah. (laughs) I trusted that if he knows my process and he thinks I could get known and seen and uh, discovered on the internet, that's, that's where I started uh, with with Ted to help me understand and learn oh so much in the last several years about the internet it's amazing it's it's a 
I think it's so it it there's a little bit of learning <laughs> learning curve always yeah, that's a little little bit I would say yeah yeah and there's lots to choose from but I have met people around the world I'm now working with somebody in Germany I work with somebody in Hong Kong India I've worked with people globally now so and it, it was all because of the internet yeah it's cool it's like um it's amazing how much it opens up the world and how much smaller it makes it mm -hmm. you know um Ted must have transformed himself too you know because he was an IT geek when he was younger and now he does what he does, you know, which is, he may have had the same set of skills, but I doubt it. Mm -hmm. right? So I know he probably worked on himself too. So yes. that's cool. Yeah. Um, so what, what's something that you do today on the internet? Like, what do you take advantage of the most? LinkedIn? Well, right now, currently, I've made a whole new website, findyourvoicechangerlife.com for my podcast. And that's been fun to promote people. And so I would say that's what I'm working on most. But in terms of what the value of the internet is, which is relationship, I think LinkedIn is the most uh, where I go to most every single day. Okay. And I would say I comment, I love to comment on people's uh, posts. And I would say that connection, the way I connect is to find something I like about the person, maybe search mindfulness, you know, that uh, even people who are into public speaking, uh, teaching or trainings, I want to connect with them too. Yeah. And so it's not just, I don't feel it's competition. I feel that uh, the more we can join together and that this is what the internet provides is us to join together to promote each other. So that's, that seems to be my, what I, my thrust on LinkedIn is to find ways to uh, connect and, and uh, support other so people. How is your podcast going? How long have you had it? Like, when did you start it? What's been oh. the biggest challenge in getting it going? Well, actually, uh, that was, you had wondered at some point, I think, when we were thinking about doing this podcast, what would be one thing I would uh, suggest or give advice? And I would say, just start, you know, like go to LinkedIn and find somebody you like and start a conversation. So with my podcast, it, it, I didn't plan it. I was doing some kind of 30 day video challenge and somebody said, Hey, let's interview each other. It could be one of our videos for one of the 30 days. And there you go. yeah, it was just, Oh, and I loved interviewing the person and I learned a lot. And we did talk about finding the voice and that that's how it started. I just said, okay, I've got a podcast now called Find Your Voice, Change Your Life. And I just started asking people, hey, you want to be on it? And now I've got, oh, uh, close to, well, I know I have 16 for sure and several oh, cool. more. So almost two dozen uh, either done or scheduled. And But it was one step at a time. If I had tried to figure out how to do audio and how to get the right mic or how to, it, yeah, what yeah. questions to ask. 
That's I, where I, I started at that point, right? So it took started me, at, yeah, it took yeah. me a long time to get going. Mm -hmm. um, it was before you could do video, right? You, so it was completely audio podcast. But, you know, I remember going through, oh, what mic should I use? What services do I use? What, you know, it's like one question after the other. Um, I found a place to get the answers, which was good. And um, they're still there. And I still use them periodically for stuff. But um, yeah, I think, I think today it was like, just pick up, just go do it with whatever you have. Because most people have the basics they need to do it. They've got a microphone in their computer, at least, or, or under earbuds. Um, they have um, a camera in their computer, at least. If not, you can pick one up for 20 bucks, you know, that's that'll do the job. And um, so I think that's great advice. Just do it. Oh, yeah. And it's evolved. My first one was uh, just put it up on my YouTube channel. That was it. And then I thought, hmm, I need a playlist. So then I created a playlist. Hmm, I need a cover art. Okay, then I did a cover art. Yeah. Now I'm thinking, oh, I have to get on Apple and Spotify. So I I hired somebody to do good sound, you know, the, take out the, the, the whatever Bums happens. And when, and... <laughs> as well as the clicks and the, okay, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so he's done some amazing job. I've got a, now an intro and an outro. And awesome. <laughs> so it, it just grew as opposed to me figuring it all out and then launching. I just, um, I'll just I'll tell you a resource that you, you may you want to use, you may not. It's called Anchor. It's just like a regular anchor. I think it's called anchor.fm. And um, today, you if you put up your audio podcast podcast yes. and you can take the and it'll add your intro and outro to it and then it will automatically put you to all the audio places so it'll put you to apple and spotify and all that stuff you don't really have to do much good that that sounds like a little bit easier than i'm doing right now i'm using buzz sprout is yeah. you're talking about internet and what's of it, some of the things I use, but I'll, I'll also check out that one. Yeah. I mean, I, I, at one point I, I was using, I was doing it the old fashioned way where you had to do, do, more, do more. It was good. Right. But at some point I said, this is stupid um, because I can do this easier. And I just checked out that and it worked and I was happy with it. So mm -hmm. I stuck with it for that part of it. Um, cool. So tell me in doing your podcast, what's a frustration you've run into? Ooh, I can say the only frustration is my web person who's slow. I just want to get it out there. The, the audio portion now, because I don't want to say, Hey, I've got it up uh, until it's really ready to go. Although the, the YouTube channel playlist, I have all 16 loaded and show notes. And uh, so what I do in the podcast, and uh, you were one of my guests, is to ask people to 
talk about where, where in their life they feel like they didn't have a voice or how they got to be that way. And then the journey and then what they can do now that they have a voice. So it's a, it's only about 20, 30 minutes. And it's a, what I intend to do is to give listeners ideas about if they feel like they don't have a voice, because something you just said earlier is that we all come to learn differently. (laughs) And uh, so that I think that the, the paths that people have found to find their voice are different and there's enough of them already on the podcast that I think inspire people. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and, and I can say, having been done a podcast with you, um, it was fun, right? <laughs> it was really, it was fun. It was just a conversation. It was fun. It was a good time. So um, tell me, wh- wh- I'm trying to just think of some things that are not stupid to ask you. Um, but like, what's a tool that you use? Because there's a lot of what you do today on the internet piece of it, yes. which is is not that, I'm going to say, it's not that intellectual. There's a lot of mundane detail. Just do it, find a tool that helps you things. What are a couple of tools that you use um, that you find very helpful? All my classes and coaching programs, I have a 12-week Find Your Voice, Change Your Life, and a fearless speaking program that I do individual and group, and it's on Thinkific, so I host it on a platform. I know that there are other platforms, Kajabi, maybe Teachable, but I chose Thinkific, and I've been happy with it, so that would be Uh, for any kind of people who are thinking about course creating that that's one option. Uh, I always, I would say that one of my favorite tool, which has saved so much time is Calendly. And I know that there are other, you know, calendar schedulers out there, but the reason why I like that is I no longer have to schedule people in. I just say, here's my link, you know, whether it's a half hour or 45 minute or an hour or even the podcast, I just send them the link. And there are a couple of questions usually that you could ask. And uh, it's connected to Zoom. So what I get is uh, a notice that somebody's scheduled in for a certain day, a certain time. And here's the Zoom link. How easy is that? And it's done. <laughs> yes. That's, that's awesome. So that's, that's Calendly. And I, I'm really, I'm really, that's, that saved a lot of trying to keep track of, of meetings. Yeah. Cause I, I, like, I would agree that keeping track of meetings is just a pain. Yes. You know, <laughs> and it's, um, it's just a pain. <laughs> I so would say I, that. The, the other question you asked me was about what are like what tools or what's the challenge around the internet and yeah. I thought about that and as you know I've, I've got the podcast going so part of what makes it I don't know you're supposed to do a transcript and I'm not going to sit there and do a transcript <laughs> at all I'm not even going to hire somebody to do uh, the transcript for of the podcast so I'm looking around, there's Otter, oh, AI, there's Temi, 
there's rev.com. There's just so many uh, programs out there that will do that transcription. So I guess, you know, in terms of frustration, how do I know which one's best? And of course they're doing it kind of, um, I guess they use AI. So whoever's lit, it's not a real person listening. So there's a lot of, uh, mistakes and yeah. It, it, yeah. Um, so it was something you said that, um, and anyways, you, you said that you're supposed to, or you should, I can't remember which one it was. Mm -hmm. So like for the transcript, for the transcript. Yeah. So, well, it's for the disabilities act. We're supposed to uh, make our podcasts available for people who are deaf and that's, and I'd like to do that for sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Cool. But it's an extra, it's an extra thing. Yeah, it's one more thing. <laughs> I wonder if Anchor on. does that. We'll check. Um, they do not. Uh-huh. At least they have not. In the past, they have not. Mm -hmm. So maybe they will in the future. They um, required to do it now that uh, ADA compliance is, yeah, is yeah. going up. I didn't, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So now I might have to do it. Although once you put it up on YouTube, YouTube also will do it. Mm-hmm. It's really bad to start with, but it's there. Yeah. Uh -huh. And and you can clean it up, but anyways. So um it's been great talking with you today. Yes. I, like what else would you like to say to people? Um well, there's the there's the whole what I'm working on on finding your voice and having people go to uh, Doreen Seven Steps dot com to get a guide that will help them in finding their voice so that they can speak up in any kind of situation but in terms of then how do they show up online because that seems to be what we're talking about is the internet uh, it seems like we've got video we've got meetings and zoom and it seems like some of the secrets i or steps i talk about the first one is stillness. So uh, that whole sense of learning how to quiet yourself and drop down into the essence of who you are. And even now, as I'm talking, my voice feels like it's coming from a deeper part of myself inside of me because there's a authenticity that feels like I, I can reach. And so I guess no matter whether it's online or in a meeting that's virtual, uh, whether it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation or whether it's like a meeting that you and I are having, you know, discovering, and it goes back to what we said earlier today, discovering that voice inside of you and knowing who, who he is, who she is, and uh, feeling that resonance so that when you speak, you, your speaking is with somebody, not at somebody. So that's a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> that's a really good point. And I would think now, especially as people have been forced to go to the internet to, to, to communicate, mm -hmm. it's probably even a bigger point, right? They've, they've lost a lot of the, the ability to have the, uh, the physical cues yeah. 
two and a half. So now they have to, basically you have your voice. It's the only thing you have to work with. Ooh, we're getting deep. That's good. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> yeah. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today and sharing your knowledge, sharing your story. I didn't know that. Um, and I look forward to speaking with you again, maybe on another podcast. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Steve. Have a great afternoon. Thanks so much for listening to Harness the Web with your host, Steve Fett. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit HarnessTheWeb.net. We'll see you next time.